Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pick and Play Podcast. Today we're going to be bringing you something different, but not with someone different. Leo, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm ready for this long weekend. You got any plans for 4th of July? Not really. I'm just going to be kind of floating around. Uh, we're going to do crabs tomorrow. There's a local bar that I go to. I sit outside and with a couple friends, and we just drink off in a corner. Bars um, are open in Virginia? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, man, so, they closed them down where I'm at. So it's not the bar portion that's open. It's a restaurant, but it's local. Like, it's in my neighborhood. Um, just, it actually opened up right before COVID, so I feel kind of bad for them. Because I'm like, damn, you really, really yeah, had a rough time. time. Yeah, I know, you know, the bartenders, it's a small thing. Like, they've got four people that work there. It's not a big thing. Okay, so okay. They, they have some outdoor seating on this patio. Um, the local governments here have allowed restaurants to kind of open into areas that aren't necessarily zoned for restaurants in order right, for to right. see Do people. Some outdoor seating. Yeah, so we sit off to the side. Um, we normally have a group of like you know three, four of us that go up there, uh, and we'll just shoot the shit and and sit in like a little corner. Uh, but it's a little corner outside, so we're not totally you know, breaking all the rules. Um, but today we have a little something different for everyone. We're calling this a locker room segment. Locker room segment uh, is kind of like, you know, what we're talking about. Bullshitting, right? Uh, you have random questions. You bring up your friends. They answer them. This can go in any direction. Uh, today we have two questions for each other. Uh, but we haven't let each other know what these questions are. This is kind of off the cuff. So I'll lead us first in the first question of our first locker room segment. And I have done a lot of reading over the summer, so I've got a couple interesting thoughts. One of them is this. How much do you hold the Lakers getting rid of Shaq and Phil Jackson against Kobe Bryant? Uh, it was probably like 80% his fault, 85% his fault. I mean, I've read that they didn't really want to pay Shaq big money thinking that he was going to decline shortly after, you know, paying him, which actually ended up happening because shortly after he got to Miami, he fell off a cliff. Uh, But, you know, with with Kobe's case, and I I remember he snitched on Shaq and and told the cops that Shaq pays these women off all the time too. I'm sure that that fractured the relationship beyond repair. I know it would for me. So I love Kobe, but that was probably mostly his fault. Do you think he gets remembered for that at all? I actually, I was reading Phil Jackson's book, and Phil Jackson, basically Kobe got both Phil and Shaq kicked off the Lakers, um, along with Derek Fisher, who was Phil's boy. Uh, and the story goes that Phil went to uh, Bus and said, it's either me or Phil and Shaq. Now, Phil had gone to Bus and said, if you get rid of Shaq, you're going to give someone a championship. So you got to be willing to deal with that. Um, Bus said he, he was, and he went that route because Kobe is the Lakers. You know, it, when, you, when you're drafted by the team, you know, you're their baby, you know. So, and they kicked him off. What I find interesting is it's rarely brought up that, you know, they couldn't kind of, you know, when you look at the Bulls, in, in retrospect, we looked at the Bulls. They were all kind of on these one-year deals, you know, like string it right. together one more. I'm interested that Kobe literally couldn't make it work with Phil or Shaq to one-year deals to keep a go for a four-peat he had no interest in. Um, so I thought that was real interesting that no one ever brings up the fact that Kobe Bryant, A, 
is the like you said 80 90 percent of the reason that phil and uh, shaq got kicked out but then b how bad of a season they actually had i mean kobe played 66 games and they won 34 uh, it, it's very interesting to me when we talk about, and you look at the team that he had, and it was all poop. But you look at someone like LeBron, who's uh, those. I remember those years in Cleveland. Actually, I remember watching the finals with you and your house in Florida the year they were playing the Spurs when LeBron yes, had Ogalskis. Yeah, and I remember going, "There is LeBron has nobody, but it was able to pull off." I just think it's a very interesting thing. We don't talk about this Kobe period, and maybe it is the um maybe it is that lawsuit that taints that era so you just kind of ignore it but it's not i I think the reason that it it gets looked past a little bit is the fact that he went on and won two more championships without without Shaq. i mean i know phil came back if kobe never wins another championship after that i think that that's a lot bigger story because now everyone's saying oh well what could have been how many could they have won how many could kobe have but then, you know, he goes back-to-back back with Powell and Bynum and Odom and Phil. And that kind of, you know, that kind of closes the door a little bit on that narrative because he, he did it without them. So it's almost justified. Yeah. I, I think it's a very interesting, uh, mature moment for Kobe where he goes, I'm not going to ever be coached by Phil Jackson and gets Phil kicked off the team. And then halfway through the next season, they have to call Phil Jackson and go, Will you come back? You know, it's a, it's a very, I mean, big props to Phil for going, you guys all kicked me to the curb, but yeah, sure, I'll come back. Like, really, Zen Master. And I, I don't think, I think Phil gets overlooked in the whole conversation of, of, he did keep these teams together, and they were volatile as shit. Somehow he was able to keep them all together. Um, you know, gets his 11 rings. I just, when I was discovering it, I really wanted to run it by you as a Laker stand. That how does this, um, you know, how, how does how do Laker fans view it? Obviously, with everything coming up, Kobe is the immortal. Um, right. He'll be on the cover Honestly, of 2K. My what I remember about that time the most is that Kobe got robbed of maybe two MVPs. Yeah, you know, I know that those teams were trash once Phil and Shaq were gone, but. I think he had a season where he was up at, what, 35 points a game? Yep. He, he should have won at least one of those two MVPs that Steve Nash won. And yeah. that's what I remember from that time. Yeah, it was just that the, the teams were bad. Uh, I, I think that was one of the big problems uh, into that. I mean, Kobe, so there were 34 win in there. I also think that the NBA was shying away from Kobe during that moment. Um, the, you know, it, it was a lot of turmoil. Uh and it, there was, you know, I remember, remember Shaq came out with, like, that diss track that, like, Kobe yeah, could... Yeah, my ass Yeah, he could eat his butt. Uh, I mean, it was... The, the NBA was like, can we please stop doing this? Like, can our biggest two stars stop stop fighting and just go... Yeah, Kobe, I mean, Shaq went over to Miami and won a championship with yep. D-Wade and then just started talking crazy. Crazy. Uh, well, that was the... It's actually funny that, you know, Phil Jackson actually said that. He goes, look, if you get rid of Shaq, you will give someone a title. Um, and he did. Uh, Shaq wasn't the big piece, obviously. It was Dwayne Wade, uh, but but he was true about that, he, you know. And then when they came back to him in the middle of the season, he said, "You're gonna have to wait for next year." Uh, you know, Phil's boy is Derek Fisher. Uh, a lot of the stories that get told about the Lakers, um, if they're pro Phil Jackson and anonymous at that time, were all Derek Fisher. 
uh, Derek Fisher was, you know, got kicked off Fisher the lake. Fisher was a big piece, man. Yeah. Fish, I feel like Fisher's underrated. He's he, one of those role players that deserves his flowers, but I don't hear him getting them very often. Yeah, he deserves them, and it really, from a leadership standpoint, he earned them because he was another player that they got rid of, and then he came back with Phil. And so uh, I think that, you know, that whole scenario is just a very interesting microcosm of how players can mature, how views can change. Um, and how outcome is never determined by the event, but what happens after the event. You know, you look at that, you look at that moment in time, take 18 months after Kobe basically says it's kill, kill everyone, it's me versus the world. And then 18 months later, Kobe, not even 18 months later, eight months later, Kobe goes, okay, wrong again. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, okay, bring Phil back. And uh, we need more talent. And then that pick, them being they bad. You could recognize that. No, I, I, I think it's a good story to kind of talk to because you can see the arrogance and the fall. And then they use that top 10 pick to get Bynum. And then they put together two more championships, which is so tough to do, especially back to back. But I just want to call that out and walk it through with you. What questions do you have for me? Okay, I'm, I'm going to give you a choice, actually. Do you want a sports question first, or do you want a life question? Give me the life question. Okay. So I, I want to know about your chef skills. Okay. So here, I have a scenario for you. Yep. You got one meal for your life. Sure. If, if your meal that you cook is great, you get to live. If the meal you cook is trash, it's a wrap for you. Ribs. What's your go-to meal? What are you cooking? I'm cooking ribs. Some ribs? Okay, uh- sides? Give me the full plate. What are you so, I'm going to tell you what. If I'm going to cook ribs for you, I'm really not going to give you sides. Um, you're going to oh, okay. You are going to want to eat all of these ribs. Uh, I cook ribs for about six hours. Um, so there's a little technique to cooking ribs uh, that I kind of figured out through my uncle when I was watching. He he couldn't. What he couldn't figure out is this: when you go to a restaurant, you can sometimes get uh, oh background noise. You can sometimes get, uh, you know, ribs that fall off the bone. That takes so long to do. How do restaurants and smokehouses keep the ribs hot, not dry them out? What we figured out is if you cook your ribs for six hours slow on at like 210. I put a dry rub, just some salt, some pepper, a little barbecue sauce, and I let the pork sit in its own thoughts. And for six hours, real low. Okay. When you take it out, the bones pull right out. The problem is you can't throw that meat right on the grill because it'll just fall through the grill. But you have to put ribs on a grill, in my opinion. So what we figured out is what restaurants do is they chill everything down so the fat recongeals. Once you put it on the grill, the fat almost instantly liquefies again and it becomes fall off the boat. So you put it in the fridge, pull it out. I barbecue it pretty heavily both sides. Hit it on hot fire for five, ten minutes. You know, five minutes on one side, five minutes on the other. Once it gets a nice, nice crisp, that little, like, the ends got the little black burnt on them. And then... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I want the I want the meat to have receded a little bit from the bone. You cut them into slabs, about four to five. I would serve just ribs. Uh, if, I, if I want to do something else, I'll give you a little salad to start uh, just to kind of help it because <laughs> it's going to be a lot of pork. But okay. If I'm cooking you ribs, I know you're gonna like them. Um, and and you know I'm gonna, I'm I'm not I can't cook sides, 
So I got to save myself by throwing, you know, three heaters. I'm going to throw three heaters. That's it. I'm going to throw three heaters, elevating in the zone every single ball so the bat speed can't catch up. That's what I'm throwing. I'm throwing ribs. Okay. I like that, actually. I'm going to have to go back to this episode at some point and follow that recipe myself. Look, it works with all pork because pork is fatty and then melts. So if you take it, cool it, and then hit it on the grill... It'll re-liquefy almost instantly, but it won't fall through the grill. There's nothing worse than like going to grab your 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 meat and part of it falls through the crack. You're like, God, oh, no. damn it! Um, and That's I, a tough time. Yeah, and the other thing with pork, um, if I had a, you know your gun to my head and the person's like, if I don't like this, you're fucking dead. Uh, it, it, with with pork, it's just. If pork's a little dry, you put a little barbecue sauce on. It's fine. If you have a dry steak, you can't tell someone like, oh, just hit it with like a one. Right. They're like, get get out. <laughs> you know, like it's, you know, if you There's over. There's more room for error with the pork. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, from that perspective, I'm making sure I'm landing this plane safely. Um, I, we may have some back and forth between me and the and my captor who's like, well, you're not doing sides. And I'm like, look, you know, this is how I feel. And they're like, okay, let's, you know, this is life or death. Let's see it. Um, but that's what I go with. I, I am curious, though. Uh, I'm going to flip it on you. Now, now I got to follow up. What are you doing? I'm probably going to die, if we're being honest, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but I, I do have a good breakfast game, so I will hope that it's early in the day, and, and that I could get some eggs off, you know, maybe a little omelet, some vegetables, some meat, you know, mix it all up in there together, but if they want a full course dinner, uh, I got you with some rice and beans and chicken, you know, like I, I got you with some Spanish meals, but... Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have a go-to. I'll probably be dead in that scenario. Yeah, I can only cook meats. Um, uh, my ADHD leaves me pretty wounded when it comes to following, like, recipes. Right. And, and a lot of the recipes, man, are like, if you don't get to it, like, in that 30-second window, you just made mush pie. And you're like, ah, oh, damn it, these noodles are fucked. This rice is overcooked. I'm like, I leave that... Ariel does all that side cooking for me, and she's great at it. And I cook the main, main, main. I cook the main meat. She'll make all the sides. It's a great little team. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm with you on that. My girlfriend, she does a lot of the cooking. I do a lot of the cleaning, and so we keep it balanced. So my other question for you that I'm curious about: What's your go-to drink? And I mean liquor. I love tequila. I love tequila, and I don't ask me why. I don't know why I started yeah. or when I started, but I've always just really liked tequila. I've been experimenting a little bit lately with different kinds to see what my favorite really is. Even really? Now that I'm not broke, I can afford to buy some, yeah. you know, some decent tequilas, yeah. not just whatever I can get my hands on. Uh, lately, I've been, you know, actually, I tried to, have you heard, do you drink tequila? I don't. My friends, like Andy and my friend Ryan, are getting into it. And I'm like, I guess I'm going to have to make this adjustment. So I I tried maybe about a month ago. I, I tried Michael Jordan. He has his own brand of tequila. I, I think it's called Sincoro. I could be pronouncing that incorrectly. Huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I tried that. That was pretty good. Um, I've been drinking some Casamigos lately. That's pretty good. Uh Tequila is my drink of choice. Okay. I don't even want it mixed. Like, don't give me a tequila sunrise. I don't really want a margarita. Like, let me sip it straight. Really? That's that's really my go-to. I will drink anything. The only thing at this point that I'm not really down for is vodka. 
uh, in my early twenties. Oh, okay. I did a lot of vodka. Yeah, yeah. Way too much vodka, <laughs> <laughs> and now I don't want any parts of vodka. If you hand me vodka, I'm gonna pour it down the drain <laughs> or throw it in the grass or something. I'm what a about you? I'm a rum drinker. I like rum. Uh, that you know, I'm a rum and coke type of sipper. Um, so my my signature drink, uh, wherever I go is a double rum and coke in a small glass so it's really just a splash of coke with a double rum uh and that's that's how i like it i like it in a small glass don't give me all that soda i just want a little bit of coke for the sweetness the rum's a little sweet they pair well a nice little rum and coke i could do crown and coke i can do um if i'm just going straight liquor to sip on uh then it's probably going to be a bourbon although i'm not a big bourbon drinker uh, right. my, my problem is that I like th- when I start consuming alcohol, it's a tough road for me to stop consuming alcohol. So, <laughs> a lot of people can relate. Uh, so I just have this, like, I got to be careful about how I slide into the pool. You know, there's a deep end and a shallow end and I'm not trying to hit my head on the bottom. Yeah, no, I'm with you. So do you have a specific type of rum that you like or you're, you're down for any rum? Uh, I used to like the really darker rums, but they're real sugary. Uh, so uh-huh. I've kind of I've kind of weaned them away. I, I'll take I like a white rum. Uh, I'm okay. not real particular. I don't like Bacardi. I, I, I you know, people Bacardi just not not my cup of tea. Uh, I can do a vodka, uh, you know, like a vodka soda. Uh, people do vodka cranberries. I don't actually don't like cranberry, uh, but uh, you know I'm I'm pretty. I will tell you this: when it comes to drinks, I'm very white. So I, <laughs> I like that. That's one thing of me that has no flair to it. It's just I, I I walk to the counter. I get whatever they're gonna pour for me. I walk away and I drink it. You know I'm an orange. You can catch me with an orange crush. Um, I've been turning beer pretty much out of my diet. Uh, I like like one to start, but yeah. I've How actually, long have you been trying to cut beer out? Uh, I just found that I like liquor more, so it wasn't like a cut out type of deal. Like, so I love a good Land Shark, a Pacifico, a Modelo are my three. That's like my wheelhouse for beer. Those um, are nice, easy beers. You could drink a few of those. Yeah. Okay. I'm a give me a beer. So we're sitting outside. We're under an umbrella. There's a breeze. Give me a beer. That's that's where I want my beer. I want my beer for me is easy drinker, you know. Um, right. Something I'm chilling. We're on the beach. Um, you know, we're at a bar, but we're outside. You know, like there's got to be an atmosphere with me drinking beer. I, I no longer like to, you know, we're in the back of a bar and I'm just pounding Bud Lights. Like I just don't f- want to feel bloated anymore. So I yeah, you know, I'm not that guy anymore either. Yeah, and I'm so I'm I moved to liquor. Uh, you know, a beer is what I'll start with, but I don't try to fly through it like that. Right. I, I'll say this. I tequila is my preference. Like if I'm going to the liquor store with my money and buying what I want, I'm probably coming home with a bottle of tequila. But if I'm out at a bar or something. I don't get tequila too often. I'll probably get gin if I'm trying to get a gin. Wow. It might be a gin and soda. Huh. It might be a gin and cranberry. You know, I get a invet- uh, adventurous, excuse me, with the gin. But yeah, if I'm ordering a drink at a bar, I'm probably getting gin. I tried to do the gin. I just couldn't get the flavor. Andy's Andy'll drink gin. Andy. Now that I think about it, Andy pretty much will drink anything uh, and tell you he loves it. So uh, that could be the age, <laughs> or I don't know. But uh, 
He actually doesn't like vodka either. Um, I wonder if that's a. I wonder if there's a parallel there. What side of the fence you're on? You know, with tequila and uh, tequila and gin, they're both kind of like a. Not berries, but they're more plant-based. I feel like where vodka is, uh, I mean, it technically is potato vodka, right? But I, I feel like one's more leafy, the other's uh, earthy in its flavor, uh, and maybe. That's... I got a quick story for you, and yeah. I don't know if you'll remember this, but I'll never forget this. So I won't say at what age we were at the time, yeah. but yeah. I. Re- so I go over to your house for one night, right? And at this point in life, I'm not really a drinker. Uh, but you have a bottle of Everclear, right? I have yeah, no idea yeah. what Everclear is. Uh, I have zero clue what Everclear is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you tell me, you, you, you hand me a shot glass and you say, just pour up as much as you feel good with and just knock it back, right? So my throat's dry. I don't, I, you know, I don't have any water next to me. I just go, all right, well, my, my man right here told me to just take the shot, so I'm going to just take the shot. And I promise I haven't liked vodka since that night. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I could see that. I had a really, I had me and Everclear had a had a pretty good history for like three years. Uh, my cousins introduced me to it, and one of my first interactions with it over at their house was uh, they knocked a shot over on a ping pong table, and it took the color off. And I was like, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, wow, is what I thought. But, you know, at that age, it wasn't wow. It was like, holy shit, this is hardcore. You know, like, uh, the, you know, you're not developed mentally to where you're like, oh, danger. You're like, oh, ho, ho, ho. danger's a green light. No longer, it's not a red light. It hasn't developed into the yellow light. It hasn't developed into a red light. You're like, holy fuck, yes. And I used to drink that shit straight. Um, for like two, oh, no, I know. I, I remember I was there two, three it. years and I was like, my God, like people, I remember going to parties and like what you did. I'm like, yeah, you just do a shot of it. And they're like, oh, okay. It dries everything out at the second it hits it. It, it hits your lips. Uh, I swear I never had water before when I took that shot. <laughs> I know. I used to, that was some rough times. I looked back and I was like, oh, I wonder why I stopped. And I'm like, I know why you stopped. Like, it's fucking 100% alcohol. What do you mean, why did you stop? Like, you one day you woke up and you're like, I can't do this. I can't do this anymore. I don't know how many years I lost doing that, but uh, I definitely lost a couple off the top end because that was just reckless as fuck. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to go ahead and transition to the next question I have. This is a sports question. Go for it. So, if you could be the GM of any franchise in major sports, which team would you pick and why? And... Just as a rule, you cannot pick any team that you actually have rooting interest in. So here's the here's that catch twenty two with it. I couldn't be a GM of the Orioles. Uh, you know, I, obviously the rules of this game are playing, but the problem is with the Orioles. Uh, I would I would want to kill myself working for that owner. <laughs> so it's like I don't you know like I don't even want that adventure. Uh, when I look at the the Ravens. This is where I'm actually going to get selfish because I love the way they're run. Like, I don't want to fuck any of that up, you know? Like, that's good where it's at. So, I'm, you know, like, I would secretly be looking. So, I'd probably, here's the thing. I probably wouldn't pick baseball. I probably wouldn't pick football. I think I'm looking at the NBA. Uh, There's a a little more, um, I think the NBA could use more fresh looks at how they deal with things. I think some things, some teams are ahead of the time and others are behind. Um, I would love to be the GM of the 76ers. 
Uh, I really, I mean, why? I don't know what it is, but I've really wanted to like that team for like two, three years now, and they just can not get over that hump. I'm like, they are one champ. They are one finals appearance away from me picking that as my NBA team and following them hardcore. I also believe that like that team. So if I got it, if I was GM of that team, I would get rid of Ben Simmons tomorrow. I would trade him for a haul of picks uh, or players. Um, I'd build around Embiid. Uh, I, I would, I would, that would be kind of what I'd go to. Uh, the big dominating center. Um, I'd look for a coach that can really reach Embiid. So I, I just think that team has a ton of assets, a ton of great, rich assets. It's held back by a coach and a team that's scared of making the wrong move after everything they had happen with Brian Colangelo and, and all that. Uh, they're, I feel like they're terrified. They could use someone who has no clue what they're doing uh, and, and would just be like, look, I'm ripping this out. I'm not worried about what the fans think because the fans don't give a shit if you win. We're all, In the East, we're always going to compete. There's tons of assets. You really can't screw it up no matter what act, you know, what direction you go in. What would you get for Ben Simmons today if you turned around and traded him? Probably whatever you wanted from whatever team you wanted, you know. So yeah, it would be definitely an impressive haul. It would I be, mean, you would have to trade some some shit to get Ben Simmons. And so that's why I would I would trade Ben Simmons because I just don't think him and Embiid work. So I'd trade one of those two. I'd basically put them both on the trade block, see who gives me the best haul for either, keep the one, build around him, send the other one out. Um, you know, you may be able to go to the Wizards and be like, "How about you give me Beal? I'll give you Simmons. You give me, you know, a couple picks." You'll get your young guy to come in, work with, uh, actually, they may, they would probably want Embiid over Simmons because of uh, Paul, but... Uh, oh, uh, John Wall. John Wall, John Wall. Um, but, you know, that's kind of what I look. I look to put, like, a top-end, top-end shooter uh, handler with, with Embiid. I just think those two both keep too much of the same space, um, and I think that coach is terrible, too, so... Uh, that would, I 100% agree with that. If I was the Sixers, I would do the exact same thing that you're saying right now. I probably would have already done it, honestly. Yeah. But I, I don't really see how they don't see that those two, you know, those two are going to be your cornerstones. That doesn't work. It's Someone it, needs to be a shooter. They're just scared. You know, like that's that's what happens. You just get, you get frozen with fear. And what's going to happen is they're going to keep them both together. Like, honest to God, I would have traded Simmons, got a haul of first-round picks, turned around, signed Butler, and gone Butler and Bede. Those are my big two. I've got a bunch of, like, first-round picks because of Simmons. Maybe some good role players back. That would be my team. I feel like that would be a really, really good start. Uh, they don't have to occupy the same space. I feel like they worked really well together. Um, and then, uh, who's the shooter they have? Uh, darn it. I could picture him, but I can't remember his name. Uh, the Sixers? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris. So you have you would go Harris, Butler, uh, Embiid, and then I can fill with other good players. Then I could keep J. You know, I feel like you'd be in a better position to keep JJ Redick because you'd have, you'd be able to get a bunch of these young draft picks in that would keep your price down. And you know, I think you'd put a really really competitive team together with a better coach. I'd probably go out and you know. I may even go so far to try to turn around and I'm, I'm going to get kind of crazy and try to pry Billy Donovan away from Oklahoma City and say, hey, I'm going to, you throw Donovan into the Embiid, uh, the Simmons trade. I'll send you Brett Brown, Simmons. You send me back a haul. They have a haul of picks. I'll go ahead and land Ben Simmons with you. And then, 
give me back the picks. I, I think you could I think you could work something out with OKC. You may be able to get Chris Paul and Donovan and a, and two picks for Ben Simmons. So I, I'm not mad at that at all. No, yeah, that would be a good move. I think that if I was in that same scenario, I think I would want to take over the Atlanta Hawks. Okay, okay. They suck, so it it might not make the most sense. But first of all, I get to be in Atlanta. I love Atlanta. One of my favorite cities. Really? I haven't been there. I do need to get there. I I like Atlanta. It's a diverse little city. You know, it's got a bunch of different pockets with stuff to do, and I like that. So uh, I I wouldn't mind being in Atlanta, but not only that, I have Trey Young for the next 15 years. Uh, And I have a bunch of young assets. I have cap room. Uh, you know, Atlanta, they're in a good position to make some moves in the future. And you saw that they pounced on the opportunity to get Capella. I don't know if I would do that. You know, if, if I'm the Hawks, I'll probably flip Capella before he even plays a game for me and try to get something else. Um, but, yeah, I would take over the Hawks if I had the opportunity. You're also not going to get fired with that Hawks job. I just feel like with... They've done such a bad job for so long, and they do have such young talent that they're going to let you ride it out for two, three, four years. So even if you were just like you, and they hired you, it's not going to be like a one-and-done deal. They're like, we're rebuilding, you know, we're on a path. So, you, you know. Right, right. You'd... They got Trey Young. They got John yeah. Collins. They got a couple pieces. So I feel like a, a good GM has a lot to work with over there. Yeah, if, if there were more good... See, that's the other thing that's weird about these. When we talk about, like, hypotheticals, you know, on, honest to God, it's not like there aren't qualified GMs that are out there doing terrible jobs. Like, it's such a weird concept to be like, what if I just picked you and put you in that in that chair? And you're like, yeah, what would, you know, what would I do? Would I run it like, uh, you know, how half of the... I'd probably run it into the ground, honestly, but... <laughs> yeah, most likely so would they. Like... We're, we're acting, you know, people act like these GMs are, some are great. Some are terrible. I mean, what have the Phoenix Suns done in, in ever, you know, in 20 years, 10 years, 15 years, you know? So it's it's not like these teams don't have terrible GMs. Ernie Grunfeld in Washington, like, what is that? So he's just there for 20 years because he was a player for a long period of time, so... You know, he, he lucks into wall. Beal continuously makes terrible contracts. I wouldn't be handing out none of these terrible contracts, at least. Like, I can at least look at the player and be like, no, thank you. You know, there, there's got to be someone that can do it better than you. You know, I wonder if NBA GMs and owners, I wonder if they use 2K like I know some of the players use it. Like, I, I've heard LeBron say that he'll use 2K to see, you know, yeah. how certain players fit and how yeah. certain sets look. And, you know, he said that he really uses it as a simulation. So I wonder if, if any of the GMs ever, you know, play around with 2K and try to build a roster digitally and then try to do it in real life. I don't know. I'm just curious. I bet. Look, I think LeBron's way ahead. And I think this goes with the overall theme of most of GMs just aren't any good. Not just that they aren't any good. But they, they they don't even they don't use the tools available to them, and we see it all the time. Like uh, in every sport, uh, there's a, a podcast I listen to called Around the NFL. It's it's my favorite podcast, and they have this idea, and you know it's been their idea for a while. It just floats around. It's just a funny idea that there should be a GM app where all the GMs are the only people on this app, and you know when Bill you know NFL is what we're talking about, and Bill O'Brien goes up oh, DeAndre Hopkins up for trade, okay. You know, 
everyone can give their best deal to him. He doesn't have to take a second and David Johnson for DeAndre Hopkins because he made one phone call because he's an idiot. You know, ah, I see all the offers just pour in. All you just the through them on his phone. Yep, and then you know what? Your team doesn't make the worst trade out of the off. You know, you don't trade DeAndre Hopkins for less than you get Stephon Diggs. You know, like you're not you're not doing that to yourself. So it's just a. You know, I, I think that and when, when when the collective masses and media all have that same idea that man, it just seems like these GMs are uninformed, I think you're gonna find that like the GMs are uninformed. And just like there are bad people at every job, there are bad GMs. Somehow we can't figure out how to get, you know, thirty two NFL GMs, you know, uh, twenty eight uh, GMs, you know, so it, it, it's just, you know, it's just a weird thing. But I, I think that NBA is a, a sweet spot. You can hide out for a while. And because of the volatility of the NBA, uh, you know, you get that you, you have a let's say you have a bad year as a GM, like your team's terrible. Then you get the first round, you get the first pick and you end up with Zion. You're a genius. <laughs> right, right. You're a genius. You hope you nail the pick. Yeah, but like I said, you're, you're... You could end up with Markel Fultz. You could, look, you could end up with Markel Fultz. That's true. And then, look, you're, you're, you you get a whole scandal breaks about you <laughs> you using burners and attacking your own players. Uh, <laughs> you know, but you want to talk about bad? Like, that's crazy talk, man. That's crazy shit that a, a GM made burner accounts to burn his own players. Bro, walk into the locker room and tell him. Uh, <laughs> It's insane to me, but that, you know, I digress. The GMs are bad. All right, any parting thoughts before we get out of here? Our first locker room visit. No, that was fun. I'm good. Yeah. I'll, I'll have a happy uh, holiday weekend. Stay safe. Yeah, stay safe. Uh, real quick, we have coming up next week will be the last of our NFL breakdown, uh, probably until late July, early August, um, because we'll have NBA hot and heavy maybe a little bit of baseball talk there won't be a ton i i'm just so disgusted by the way baseball handles itself uh but we will have some hot nba talk coming up uh with this sprint of a schedule uh we're gonna have bets props things like that to look for things to look out for uh and we're gonna try to get back on track start making people some money uh, leo you ready to start throwing your money on some things Dude, we only got a couple weeks now uh, i'm starving i was throwing money on soccer games like what the fuck am i doing here um <laughs> I'm, yeah, you got that board? Uh, dude, it's been bad. Like, I'm a gambler. I've been a gambler since I was 13. Wait, so, but do you actually watch soccer? No. You just... <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm like, what are we doing today? And I've got, I've got, a, <laughs> I've got a Facebook thread with a couple friends. It's called, a, I love the name, it's called The Bankrupt Thieves. And <laughs> we go in there and we're like, you know, what are we doing? And it's, we've been quiet for three months. Someone's like, you know, fuck it, I'm betting soccer. And we're all like, yeah, I mean, it's not a good idea, but like we're in, you know, what else? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm down, I'm, I'm down, fuck it, you know, fuck it. I'm not betting on golf, you know, like that shit. I have no clue what going to, at least soccer. I'm like, I, you know, I got friends that watch it. You know, everyone has someone who's really fucking into soccer. That's the thing about soccer. You go two degrees to your left or right in your friend group. And there's somebody who's like, oh, I watch every fucking game, every league. And they're all, and they can tell you all kinds of great shit. So we just lean on those people that have been quiet during us talking about, you know, football, NBA, baseball. They just lay low. Um, but we'll be getting that in. We'll finish up. We will take a land to Tennessee, and we will be uh, chopping up the AFC South on our next podcast. Uh, you can find me at Pick and Play Thirty Seven on Twitter. Leah, they can find you. Pick and scroll on Twitter. Pickandscroll.com.
okay perfect all right everyone stay safe out there wear your mask when you're out in public i just don't understand why that's political but uh let's go ahead and wear your mask while you're in public um i obviously don't wear your mask if you're putting food in your mouth but if you're moving around through a building inside wear your mask you go to the bathroom wear your mask anywhere that you're gonna be passing through people wear your mask um, that way we can get sports back. We can watch sports. We can't lose football, people. We can't lose football. We're going to get the NBA. We got to get through the NBA. We can't lose this shit. Do your fucking part, okay? It's fucking crazy that we're, we're politicizing this. But get your mask on. Put it on. Everyone stay safe. Take care. We'll see you next week.